Hey tribe, welcome back to the Witty Chatterbot Show. If you're new to the show, a warm welcome. I'm Carmen Murray, your host. The Witty Chatterbot Show, Women in Tech, Empowering Everyone, aims to empower you by interviewing a wide range of remarkable and thought-provoking guests to discover as we navigate through the constant change around us. We will explore topics on business, technology, innovation, and give you bite-sized insights that can help you propel forward and embrace the entrepreneurial culture. Today, we have a hilariously funny guy in the studio. I'm so excited. John Flissmas. Welcome, John. Hi. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited. And uh, thanks, Carmen. You are just so awesome, incredible, and very much thought-provoking. And um, I, I don't think you need any introduction. Um, so I just need to do my traditional thing and hook you up with right. the audience. So for over 20 years, you have definitely walked the line between underground, alternative and mainstream comedy. And you're well known for being very outspoken and yes. observational humor. So um, I think you have a real gift to be unapologetic, understand and comment on political, social and economic affairs. So thank you very much for, for taking the time to to be here. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, so today we're going to talk about brain dump on working a room. Right. I think we need to learn some tricks of the trade from an expert. So if I had to strip you from your title as a comedian, who are you? What's your story? Um, I think I'm just a curious human being from an illegally privileged background. Um, you know, um, I have a lot of advantages because of my history and my context as a white South African. Mm. And I'd like to try and use that to, through making people laugh, make them think as well. You know, ultimately, I think curiosity is an advantage. Is, mm. uh, are the two things that kind of maybe give me a bit of a head start. 100%. Yeah. So when was your first aha moment when you knew that this is what I'm supposed to do? Um, I think as a kid, I found that humor broke down barriers. But the high school I went to was very much WASP inspired and, and mm. driven. And so a lot of the values were around sport and meaningless structure that I didn't really relate to. So I found that humor was a good escape. Um, mm. But as I get older, I think humor is my way of expressing curiosity. I really like that because I think it's so important to be curious and to know so much. I mean, like just having a chat with you, you know so much about everything, <laughs> which is such a good thing because I don't know. Ignorance is, is really um, damaging to yourself. So I, th I think curiosity really plays an important role. And I think that's your way of connecting with people. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think um, we come from a conservative background historically, and I think yeah. that's damaging. It limits education. 100%. I think um, prejudice is a, is, is a limiter. Um, and it's taught to children from a young age. They use prejudice as their primary source of understanding. And, um, you know, what makes things different? What makes people different? And, and I'm against that. I, I think it's rubbish. I think a lot of the main sort of authorities we grow up with, whether it's government, school, church, all wrong, mm. all based on fear. And, um, and mm. I think you've got to, perhaps I took a wrong route. I had a very excessive uh, young adulthood. Um, and I got into quite a lot of trouble. But, uh, <laughs> I can imagine but that. I certainly, uh, I certainly go with Blake, who said that the, the you know the road of excess can lead to the palace of wisdom, and and uh, yeah. So so I've, I've broken down lots of taboos in my life by probably by accident, but um, with the hindsight, and I'm lucky to have survived all of that. Um, I think um, I've become a, a more open-minded uh, adult, and and mm. I think that was always the goal. Mm. Yeah. And you know, I remember the first time I saw you many years ago. Mm. Um, it was in Killarney Mall. I saw you for the first time. It was probably right. like six, seven years. And I was like, oh my God, he looks so scary. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time I saw you. Yeah. And when I started like watching your, your movement and what you're up to, I was like, this is a very smart guy. <laughs> like, and this is what I love about you is, is, is that you, you know, um, you speak your truth. 
which I think is very important. Yeah. And, you know, you have a story to tell. And mm. I think some uh, everything initiates from some sort of rebellious side within you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, when you... You don't articulate things always very well when you're young, and you because mm. you you don't have the language of the world yet. Mm. But uh, and also, um, if you're against the sort of mainstream, generally you get written off. Mm. And the mainstream is generally stupid. This is why wrestling is popular. Yes. And, and, <laughs> um, uh, because you have earrings and strange hair, suddenly you you this kind of you're this loser. Yeah. Um, um, and um, it's interesting. A lot of the people I grew up with at school. I was very much on the fringe, so the the friends I made were kind of the outsiders, uh. and and um and um a lot of them have grown up to be quite successful. And the people who sort of in the first team rugby, first team cricket, have followed the same path. They're just balding and spreading, and you know, gently self-loathing individuals who just toe the line. Mm. And and um I find that so um sad because they were encouraged to be worshipped as sort of mm. a prefect or a rugby captain, and ultimately that's meaningless. It really is. I'm only finding the value of real education later in life. So like now I'm studying at the age of 45. And I think it's the right time for me actually to be studying. I, I don't think I should have studied when I was 19 mm. or 18, you know, when I left school. So, so yeah, so it's, it's an interesting time. You know, I love what you're saying because I, I mean, I also look when I look at my own personal life or when life is unkind to you. Mm. And you, you've had hardships or, or you've learned from a lot of failures. Outlook on life is not a sense of entitlement. It's like, I got to mm. work for what I want. Yeah. And I think that that's the most important thing in, to success is that, you know, you have to accept you, you, in your mind, no is always going to be the answer. Nobody's going to, you know, arrive on a white horse and save mm. you. That kind of vibe. And I, I believe in that. So I, I, oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. So your antenna is always up. Mm -hmm. What are you tuned in at the moment? Um, so at the moment, like, as we spoke about off air, pretty much everything you've just, you've said to me since we met, I'm fully like in love with all of those things. <laughs> awesome. Future fit, um, technology, you know, burning down old structures. Um, you know, we spoke briefly about linear television as a sort of one of the more current dinosaurs right now. I mean, mm. I've grown up in the comedy industry, mm. meeting with those people as a sort of a monolithic power. Um, and, and now watching them get sh like shaken to their foundations. It's just more current to me than, let's say, talking about the usual examples of Uber or Kodak or, you know, these things get spoken about so much, it's boring. Mm. But, but I'm watching DSTV, a giant, just like rumbling, you know, at its mm. core and having to question itself after decades mm. of like, we are the only one, like you do it our way, there's no other way. And so, you know, so that's very interesting about disruption actually starting to like change my industry and in fact my own businesses yeah and there is a business i own that's probably going to have to either die or completely reshape itself yeah. and and the, and the great thing is that i will kill it before someone else does mm. yeah i love that but <laughs> but you know i read something somewhere if you want to disrupt you have to just if you can't disrupt your own industry you have to disrupt somebody else's yeah. and that's what we're seeing happening i mean i'm not i I'm not, i don't need to name um the brands we all know and we can see what's happening in front of us and usually like if you look at the horse carriage the horse carriage was not um disrupted um by uh, you know the horse carriage maker it was yes. like you know the ford or whatever so we yeah. need to understand that whoever is going to disrupt is not going to be our competitors mm, absolutely but I want to take that even a step further. That's what makes me quite dangerous is I'll do it myself. Mm. Like I'm totally not prepared to do the same thing for too long. Anyway, I've never done it. Like I've always changed the way I look, the way I talk, the way I feel. 
constant reinvention is so important and it's weird because it's been a way of life for me from the beginning Mm. whereas we are taught that you build this company and then you love this company and that is what you have now is it or Mm. is it the experience you've built inside your own agility that Mm. you build and your instincts as an entrepreneur so that you can go i'm not attached to this company Mm. it's nice to have a brand but it's my brand is not my ability i love that you know it's all elastic it's all kind of breakable, fixable, reworkable, rebuildable. So, so yeah, so it's an interesting time. I, I love that because I was actually at one of um, WACT's uh, like-minded events and okay. um, there was a question asked in the audience about how to choose your company name. And I was like, you know what, that's such a good question and this exactly speaks to your points. Is when you choose a company name, it needs to be a name that doesn't put you in a box. It's sure. something that can evolve with you. Absolutely. Um, because if you look at, um, you know, I have this theory, I believe in simulate, innovate, elevate, but don't copy. Mm-hmm. Like take inspiration, get it, but then take it to a whole new level and break it down in particles and then build something out of it. Yeah. And what we're seeing ha- happening around us is that you come up with an idea, then somebody else copies it. Then, mm-hmm. so you constantly have to innovate because if you don't, then you, then they're going to be a step ahead of, of you because they are doing that to you so yeah. it's, it's it's crucial to to survive yeah i know absolutely i mean I, my production company with my partner b um we, we struggled to think of a name and, and eventually we settled on ogo ogo i love that and the, and the reason was we we wanted a name that could be a company it could be an app you know what is it what does it mean it doesn't have to mean anything it's just easy to say anyone can say it it looks so cute, you know, when it's written or drawn. So, and, and, um, that was it, you know, it's exactly that. Like this thing of like the so and so company and then telling everyone what you do. It's just, I think you're right. Like if you're going to innovate, then you, you don't have to. It's know, not about the name. Down, oh, you know? absolutely. So, um, one of my friends actually mentioned to me that they had a privilege to hear you do a talk about at a business event. So we know you're on TV, on the social circle, and you're very like controversial, which is very cool. And I think like when you look at at corporates who are sometimes have a very clinical approach to to their brands and to their cultures and so forth, you actually are super creative and you are a disruptor Uh um, when it comes to to doing your talks at conferences. So um, our conferences, but also, you know, for for organizations tell me a little bit more about that um so i met um i met the man who's currently the dean of um henley business school a long time ago um and and uh prof john foster pedley wasn't a professor then he was a senior lecturer in strategy and um we got on we just became friends and um i really loved john's um he's one of the greatest teachers i've met in my life and and um he got me excited about learning again and um anyway uh, it started to evolve where John said to me one day, I want you to come to Cape Town to the business school and talk to my MBA students. And I was terrified. I was like, what am I going to talk to them about? And he said, you'll think of something. And he gave me a reading list and he said, I'll get you um, a plane ticket. Just come down. And and um, wow. I started reading and, and engaging with him. And he's just a great, he's a great teacher. He just, he just he fences with you and he, he challenges you and he lets you and he, you know, allows you to kind of, and I started this kind of talk about empathy and, and, um, um, it's called the shared world. And, uh, and these MBA students would attack it and then we'd reshape it. And then I would go back down. And over the years, I kind of built this thing up. And now there are several talks. Yeah. And, uh, and since then I've started studying at Henley. And now I actually facilitate with some other, um, teachers, uh, on, on courses around empathy, political intelligence, self disruption, um, and resonance versus dissonance. 
Um, I'm a big believer in dissonance as a, as a teacher as mm. opposed to resonance. In the corporate culture, we want diplomacy, which mm. I think shuts down thinking. It's rubbish. Mm. It's no good for, for disruption. You mm. need dissonance. You must learn from dissonance. Mm. You have to engage on a robust, you know, um, conflict-based model, mm. which is respectful, but, and it has parameters. But I think you've got to learn to disagree in oh, a healthy sure. way, you know. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I, I totally agree with you because I think, you know, um, there's a lot happening in the world at the moment and, and especially the matriarch era is arriving. Uh, masculinity is in and for females to have, be more masculine and have a male energy is cool. Yay. <laughs> I'm fitting in for once in my life. No. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but I think that it's so important to become part of these conversations mm. and not to be on guard because you're trying to protect a brand because what, what people are, are looking for is that, that brand that, that doesn't talk at them, but talks with them. Sure. You know? Yeah. It's deep niche. You know, I mean, everyone, everyone is an individual and everyone wants to have a voice because they have now, you know, social media and yeah. every individual is a, is a recognizable uh, as a, as a single entity. We recently um, had an interview with John Sane, and we were also just mm, um, having these, John. yeah, having these conversations. And you know, the the one thing is, what's so important is that profit over purpose or purpose over profit. Which one do you choose? And and if you look at Warren Buffett, the other day he announced, he said, "Hey, um, we need to stop chasing these quarterly targets. We need to start be driving change." And if we if we follow the targets, we're not going to make the right decisions. Mm. And I think it's important and paramount for organizations to have a long-term view and look far into the future than just looking what's in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for Warren Buffett to say one of the richest men in the world. Yes. We're not chasing profits anymore. Okay, Warren. Um, um, certainly, if you go to any business school, uh, almost every module will kind of remind you that the point of business is value creation. Um, yeah. Um, um, and, and often that's defined as a profit. But, but I mean, I, I, I kind of get it and I, and I would hope that the business world is developing a conscience because certainly people with you know collared shirts and chinos have done more damage to this planet than certainly anybody with neck tattoos so so yeah i would agree <laughs> um that if they're developing a conscience and they're not so psychopathic that would be great yeah you know. exactly um as we were talking just now about we actually steered off but we were talking about the whole antenna thing and what mm. your antenna's up with and you know yeah. what you're in tune with but don't you notice around us like they're so much of an oppressive energy, like negative. It's like nuclear explosives. Yeah. What do you think is causing this? What is your view on it? Um, you know, simply, I, I just think that there's a constraint on the economy. Um, we're feeling the damage of the theft that's occurred in the state capture. That's really my honest feeling is that mm. it's just a couple of things in a row that have caused this kind of thing. So, so, so on a political level, you've got the EFF and the land issue, which looms. And, and, and that's a unintelligent approach. The people who approach it unintelligently are panicking. Um, and so that's the one level is that white people are nervous. They have to be, they're going to lose something that they've gained. Well, it's an illegal privilege, as I mentioned earlier. So, so that has to change. Um, um, and that will change regardless of what everyone thinks. Um, and that's just because we are animals and we are taught to survive. Mm. So we have to acquire because acquisition is security. But, but and, and so that's causing some negativity on the other hand politicians are using the, these emotive issues race land inequity to drive feeling and polarize people before the election because they're, they're not going to win on political mm. merit so so they're going to win by trying to damage the opposition so there's this we are being forced into a polarized situation mm. and i think we as people have to just step back and go there's an element of politics here 
there are some real conversations we have to have. But, mm. but, but we're being, we're being engineered into whether it's Bell Pottinger or the DA and the EFF. It doesn't matter. We're being played with and we're either going to be the toys or we're going to step back and go, let's just all man up here and woman up and let's just sort of sort this out. Mm. So there's that. So there's a bit of economic constraint because we've seen things like the VAT increase and we've seen things like fuel hikes and we've seen, you know, the RAND value a little bit unstable. And so, so they're, they're a combination of things. And, and what I find when you're feeling that negativity is try and break it into its constituent parts and then mm. deal with each of them. We have to live through the losses that have been made. Mm. I think the president's doing a pretty good job. He's raised 20 billion in the last little while already at the beginning of his fundraising trip. So he's on track to raise his 100 billion. He hasn't even got to China yet. So, so that's very good. Um, I think we're just living through the consequences of our actions and our actions were not to get rid of Jacob Zuma earlier. Yeah. We allowed it too long because we all had a cappuccino. We didn't care enough. Mm. So, so I mean, I don't feel negative. I think we're living through the consequences of our actions and we have to get through them. Mm. You, you know, in a business, when you're going through a crap time, you've got to trade through the badness mm. and, and, um, or give up. Mm. You just can't give up being South African. Totally, totally uh -huh. proudly. So they say we, we're now in the stage of African renewal where we as Africans are so proud of being Africa. We've seen APSA made, made a Africanacity change, but also an interesting point. You, you're talking about, um, you know, politics and we should have made the decision sooner with, um, you know, voting Zuma out, et cetera. But a very interesting thing is, is that there was a recent research done by Brand Essay, I think, mm -hmm. and they were talking about like the youngsters, like your generation Z, although I don't like to put people in boxes right. um, are not interested in politics and yeah. isn't that going to take us even further down the line of disaster it may do um you know um Lindiwe Mazabuka is launching her apolitical academy where she'll be um you know taking in young political candidates mm. and then schooling them regardless of which party they want to go into um so there are a group of youngsters who are interested in leadership and and I agree I think um, on the whole um people who kind of um you know, the, the, this new generation of my, my daughter really couldn't give a damn about mm. who's running the place. But I think that's an, a consequence of age. I think as you get older, you're more interested as you get into a kind of, you know, um, your, um, um, I'm trying to think of the, of the phase, but anyhow, where you become concerned with legacy, generative phase, I think it's called in Ericsson's cycles, um, you concern yourself more with what we're leaving behind. Mm. So like my thing now at the age of 45 is what work have we left undone sure. that we now hand to our children? One of them is race, one is land. So, so these are things which this inequity that we're just passing on, we just want to get through it. Mm. If I can just hang on to my stuff until I'm not here, but that's not really a very responsible mm. approach. So I can be interested in future proofing stuff and being future fit. But uh, there are things we have to con concern ourselves with. You are tuned in to the Witty Chatterbot Show, Women in Tech Empowering Everyone. And we are sitting here with the legendary John Flissmas. I am absolutely loving the vibe in the studio. I am like hanging to his lips and just listening to everything he has to say. The brains are like over, over the top. Like, are you from a different planet, John? I often feel that I'm <laughs> somewhere else. Okay, listen, okay, so... I want to ask you a question. I've always, I always wanted to ask a very famous person that really goes out and, and talks on stage all the time. We in our careers, um, do stand up, you know, whether we have to present to board members, our staff, stakeholders, or do a keynote at a conference. Yep. Give us a brain dump on how to work a room. Um, you've got to, um, so, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking you've got to figure out who the people in the room are. So I'll give you a big secret. It's not about that. It's about who you are. 
If you know yourself, there's a good chance you know those people. Being empathetic means being fully attuned to yourself, not mm -hmm. to other people. Because we share a lot more in common than we share apart. And that's the basis of my shared world kind of theory. Is a comedian doesn't understand an audience. How can we? We've never met them before. I've never met 2,000 people at the teatro. I don't mm. know who they are. But if I know myself, I know vastly how those people are kind of feeling. Because I've, I've put my ego in check and I understand that we share so many things in common that if I can read myself, there's a good chance I can read the majority of the room. Interesting. I love that. And See, I think empathy is very important in everything that we do. Yeah. If Without empathy, you can't have real intelligence, I don't think. Yeah. Because intimate knowledge of your current environment is what your intelligence is. And if you don't understand yourself, you've skipped a huge step. So, so you know, often I watch people trying to speak publicly. It's not that the audience doesn't like them. The audience just can't handle watching them wrestle with themselves. Hmm. It's awful to watch someone struggle with nerves and struggle with their own anxiety because then I understand that. So the audience's empathy is also affected. So, so get yourself in check. Understand yourself. That's the very first and that's the best thing to do as a speaker. Mm. You can feel where you're going in the room. If it's boring, you'll know it's boring. If it's, you know, if it's, if it's anxious, you'll know it's anxious. You don't need to understand the audience. Just understand yourself. I love that. And also like, like, for me personally, you know, speaking on the stage, I feel that when I'm authentic and when I really talk what I'm passionate about, mm. it comes across in a passionate way and it's, it's, it's received well. Yeah. But when you start, you know, talking about what, what, other people want to hear yeah. it doesn't work out well, it never does it. Yeah, it's like if you're going to be controversial but you're yeah. going to be uncertain of that you can't say it because then the audience is like what well, if you don't buy it why should we mm. you know if you're going to say something controversial you have to 100 percent commit and 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 often um where that goes wrong is if someone doesn't believe what they're saying in other words they're just being controversial for the sake of being controversial then you shouldn't do it mm. if you're being controversial because what you genuinely believe is controversial mm. then you should say it because yeah. you, you believe it and it's got to be said love that how do you feel creativity and inspire innovation what do you do and what what is the secret and how somebody else can apply this in their own careers that's a bit of a harder question. Um, it's an, it's a big essay. It might take many years to answer that one. But I think, um, I am, um, the first thing is that people are misunderstand what creativity means. Mm. It's not something you acquire. It's just something you are. Mm. All human beings are creativity. Mm. Whether you believe you were made by some kind of divine being, intelligent designer, or whether you believe you were the result of billions of years of effort, it doesn't matter. It's, it's really irrelevant. Those are screensavers. Um, 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 what, 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 what really matters is that you understand that as a human, mm. just your consciousness is the apex of creativity. It doesn't matter which system you believe created it, but so much work has gone into creative work has gone into developing a mind that um, you can't help but be part of creativity. Mm -hmm. So forget this thing about some people are creative, some aren't. That's nonsense. Some people have just unlearned creativity and it's been beaten or taught out of them. Mm -hmm. um, all you have to do is reconnect. Mm -hmm. And and um, and so I've had a very strange way of doing that. You know, I I thought I was because I was creative, I was kind of disruptive. Not at all. Creativity is just something that I remembered as a defense mechanism. And, uh, and luckily I connected with it really early in life. I'm lucky I've got parents who kind of, in, in, you know, encourage creativity. Um, all their lives, my parents have been entrepreneurs who worked for themselves. And so, um, it's not about being arty. It's about surviving. 
I love that. Mm. And I, I also, it, bring, it brings it back to what you were talking about earlier and also about curiosity. You know, when you're curious, and I found that in my, in my personal spaces, like I've never, I've never actually knew until recently where I fit into this whole ecosystem mm-hmm. because I'm very different. I'm a bit wacky. Um, right. but it, it, it's very hard to find yourself of fitting in. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's okay not to fit in. But the, the thing is, is the moment I started like, investigating and, and seeing what's happening in the world around me, learning more about other people and, and the history. I hated history as a child because the teacher that taught us history was awful. He used to twist everybody's ears and I couldn't watch my friends and everybody be hurt. You know, that yeah, whole yeah, yeah. African school teacher, that, yeah. you know, that always used to slap them and whatever. And I couldn't stand that. And it was almost like every time I went into his classes, what I associated it with. Yeah, yeah. And I hated history, but then in my own way, I was like, you know what? If I want to understand change, I need to understand what's happened in the past and how we, how we navigate through this new, this new time. Yeah. And, the moment I started doing that, it's like this hunger, this passion. I'm now on like four to six books uh, a week. Right. And it's just out of curiosity. And that mm. leads to creativity, hands yeah. down. Well, we've taught curiosity out of children. You know, yeah. if you look back, it doesn't, you know, whether you look at education system, whether you look at management theory, it doesn't matter. It all comes from engineering. Mm. Like it's all based on engineering. So, mm. so we treat young minds like, um, we want efficiency out of the school system. So, but you're not Toyotas. They're children and they've got this mm. like burgeoning mind. So, so where it's going now in places like Finland, I'm sure you know, the, the systems there are just so much more tuned to human development as opposed to, you know, taking, um, you know, engineering systems and applying them to children. Uh, it's appalling. So this bending of ears and hitting, it's trying to conform things. A human mind is not a conforming thing. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's just interesting. You know, this work I'm doing on, on brain dump is very much linked to my family because my dad, once I started doing the research on the show, my dad actually had a stroke and, um, and, and I was really forced to learn lots about the mind and uh, watching him and working with him as he recovers. Um, and neuroplasticity is a reality and, and your mind never loses the, not just your sort of mental, but your, the mechanics of the brain never lose the ability to reconfigure itself. Mm. The neural networks constantly find new ways if they hit a dead end. Mm. And so that applies not only to moving your arms again or speaking again, but reconfiguring the way you think, it's entirely possible. I love that. You know, my mom, uh, two months, three months ago had four strokes. Wow. And, um, it's, sure. it's like watching this whole process and it's, 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 it, it, it gets to you, mm-hmm. but then you see how the brain programs itself again. It's like a technology that's built within us. Will Smith refers to us our own God given technology right. where your brain regenerates itself. And my mom has managed to take her first few steps, um, recently. Wow. And we thought she would never be able to walk, walk again. again. Yeah, exactly. That's quite incredible. There's actually something I would highly recommend you also watch is my stroke of insight. Um, I've got the book. Do I'm you have it? it now. Oh, yeah. it is Jill amazing. Bolt. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> Taylor, I think her name is. Yeah, yeah. It's an incredible book. It's a great book to read when you need it because, yeah. you know, and, I, and, and I've been explaining these things to my dad as we, as we go forward, like these basically. So it's, it doesn't actually regenerate because you, neurons die, but, but, um, but it re- roots the signal. Yeah. Um, through a new pathway. Um, of the 64 billion neurons that are in your head on average, um, it finds a new way and it's incredible. incredible. Um, you know, the fact that neurons are with you from the time you're born to the time you die, which is why you know that you are yourself throughout your life. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Very interesting. Okay. So let's talk 
brain dump right show is happening at monte casino um yep. until august tell us yes. what this is all about and so it's a stand-up show um but it's got some research behind it and i basically decided to research the human brain um because my last show was all about racism and and, and the origin of racism um, and that was a very interesting show for me because i was forced to kind of confront quite a few um uncomfortable truths about my own background and my own thinking um and um and I thought, well, this time I'll do something a bit more light and interesting. So the brain is a pretty interesting and, you know, mad organ, um, um, <laughs> and, uh, and quite misunderstood. So, so I thought I would do that. And then uh, my dad, um, five weeks ago had, had a stroke. So, so it became a more serious thing for me. But at the same time, it's kind of been therapeutic because mm. I get to go on stage every night and, and, and talk about it in a way that's kind of light and humorous. And mm. I've told dad some of the jokes. He thinks they're quite funny. So, um, we were very tight before this, um, um, but it's amazing how you bond to a different level when you've kind of trying to bring someone back, you know, from a state. Mm. So but he's recovering well and, and, um, you know, the prognosis is good, but he's taking a little while to reboot and, and, uh, but we're getting there. So that's the show. It's, it's basically about the human brain and all of its oddities and all the nonsense that people talk about the mm. brain at a bri as if it's all true. And there's no neuroscience <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> And this popular nonsense that people talk, you know. It's so um, true. It's like, you know, everybody tries to be an expert of everything. You can t talk the most ridiculous crap yeah, sometimes. It's rubbish about yeah, the brain. like, I totally agree. When you get dr drunk, you kill brain cells. It's just not true. It's not true. Um, we only use 10% of our brain. It's not true. You know, there's so many things about the brain that people just say as if they are some kind of expert and you're not. Having a brain doesn't make you a neuroscientist. It's the dumbest thing ever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm definitely booking tickets. Um, I think I'm totally going to relate to it. And I think there's a lot of people in my circle that also maybe we should make a group night out of it. Uh -huh. But um, I just want to say um, we have a little tradition. Right. And basically, you've got 60 seconds to answer 10 questions. Right. We've ma I, I think Alfred managed to get 8 out of 10. Oh, you see, now there's pressure. Now, now there's pressure. Alfred. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. On your marks, get set, go. What is the weirdest thing you do apart from being funny? Um, I, I paint strange human figures. What is something everybody looks stupid doing? Um, I think having sex. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Um, the most interesting thing I've read or seen this week is a chapter from Jill Bolt Taylor's book about the human mind and how um, speech is separated from preparation to understanding. Who are, who are one of the greatest living musicians? Um, the band called The Kills. If you could time travel, where would you go? I would go into the future and see what's happening. Who would play you in a movie in, of your life? Um, I would like um, probably Louis C.K. Do you ever talk to yourself and what do you say? I do talk to myself all the time, <laughs> largely while I'm getting ready for a show. How weird. What personal trait has gotten you in the most trouble? Curiosity. Name of a product or service you love so much that you will happily be the company spokesperson. Oculus. If you had to leave Earth on Spaceship and four friends with you, who would you take with you? Elon Musk, uh, Bishop Tutu, and, 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 and who else? Uh, have I said Elon Musk? Yes, I have. Uh, probably I would, oh, I'm trying, uh, Tom Hardy and, uh, and, and, uh, Ian Banks. Boom. Well, I'm going to say you got a 10 out of 10. Really? Yeah, because wow. you know what? Four was a bit un 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 unfair because there was four names to mention. You managed to get through to the 10th question with two people answer. So I'm going to give it to you. Highest score ever. Oh, well done. See where curiosity gets you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I actually read somewhere that you're an excellent chef. Tell me, is this true? 
Well, you see, um, one of the things my parents did there, uh, in their lives was they had restaurants. I grew up in kitchens, and, and my dad is a chef, um, and um, uh, that was his kind of life uh, thing, apart from running businesses. But so I love cooking, and and um, but I don't do it uh, like very. I just have a couple of friends who are very big foodie people, and we, I cook for them. And then I like love going to Durban and making my dad's food because mm. you know, um, um, while he gets better, I know what he likes, and. Uh, so yeah, I do love cooking. I really do. It's become a bit of a cult though with TV. Yeah. And people now, everyone's a foodie, you know, I don't, I don't consider myself. I just grew up knowing great food and it's not fancy, by the way. Great food is not fancy. It's simple. It's simple mm. and it's brilliant and it's about great ingredients and it's about careful combination and good preparation. Um, and it has nothing to do with expensive ingredients at all. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, listen. I would never be considered as a food porn person because right. I can I like tell that you. Food porn. Yeah. <laughs> I lost 30 kilos. So from wow, losing really? that, yeah, from losing that, wow, like I'm trying, I don't want to, and I'm also not a good cook. I burn food because I'm always busy with other stuff. Because you're doing a million things at once. I but know. That's okay. Like, you can, I, 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 we definitely from a similar planet. There's no doubt. <laughs> awesome. John, thank you so much for being here and dumping your brain on us. Thank I you, loved Mama. it. Um, you're a very interesting person. I'd like to have you back. I would um, love to come back. This is a, this is a, all of these things we spoke about, these are so up my alley, man. Oh, no. Really? We are going to have fun. I'm telling you now. We're continuing no. the conversation off air. You can also find all of the shows, including this one, on iTunes, um, Google Play, Stitcher, Castbox, by searching for Booyah by Carmen Murray. Now, don't forget to tune in next week. We've got some very exciting news to announce. Um, we're coming to an end, but some great new things are happening, and I would like to share it with you guys. Arrivederci. Ciao.